Morning, sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You were sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use a cafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now, here's your host, Robert Anderson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inner Sight. Our topic today is the family. And it was only a half a century ago that the typical family was more or less represented like this. Mom and Dad were together. Grandma and Grandpa, well, they lived around the block someplace or not too far away. Uncles and aunts were around, and it was very typical that on a Sunday, family members who were biologically related would get together and uh, they would share experiences and talk about old times. And there's been a lot of upheaval and a lot of change. And so we think it's uh, the family being so valuable and such an important par- part of all society. We th- certainly think it's a worthwhile topic to discuss and also to talk about the how, we, how, do, how do we cope with this? How do we cope with uh, all the changes that have taken place in family life? I like this quote from Kaha Gibran. It's about the family, and it's about children. It's from his book, The Prophet. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through, th- they come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow. You are the bows from which your children, as living arrows, are sent forth. And uh, there's so much information in that. What makes a family? It seems to, it really seems to be changing, doesn't it? Yes, it's um, by many people's um, standards in a real state of crisis. But as we know, a crisis is often spiritually productive, so that isn't necessarily bad uh, from the point of view of uh, the spiritual values uh, of human experience. For <clears throat> eons, the family was kind of a, a, a um, place of retreat and a kind of a united front that people grouped behind uh, to face the world. And out of that quite often came the sense that the parents um, had possession of the children and could determine the children's future depending on what the parents envisioned for them. Arranged marriages were based on this concept so that family ties were extended 
and uh, alliances were formed that would be productive to the family. But that uh, gave way. Now, more and more, we see that the family is um, a smaller unit within the larger community. I think that recognition is beginning to develop. You can't just think of your family as um, an island in the in the sea of humanity anymore. We're too interconnected. And the family has to prepare the, the child to uh, envision his relationship to the larger society. So the family is a little circle within the much larger circle today. That's, um, that's very true here in the West, but uh, I think the, uh, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the, the practice of arranging marriages is still uh, practiced very much mm-hmm. in, in the Eastern traditions and the Eastern countries. And um, uh, quite often there is a uh, conflict now with uh, so many of the people coming to the West, and they're, they're in conflict with the the values and the uh, societal uh, structures that we have here in the West, and uh, so there is some conflict when the East meets West. Meets West. Uh, well, it's the old conflict of um, family obligations versus individual uh, freedom to determine one's own destiny. It's a, a constant mm-hmm. tension that the family really um, um, galvanizes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I also think too that um, uh, what what People do in California is very interesting too, as far as farming, forming their own families. I, of course, people do it all over the United States now with the change in, of family. But what they often do there is make their own family. Very many of them uh, have relocated to California, and I notice that what they're doing is choosing friends and uh, more or less making their own family by that, by that, the values and um, what they have in common. So they're more or less creating a family for themselves. Well, that, I think that analogy only extends so far because that's uh, pertaining to adults, isn't it? When, when you think of children, they uh, have their, their family life um, within the, the home of the parents unless they've uh, uh, been adopted or whatever. Mm-hmm. The extended family that you're talking about is something that a lot of adults... Um, experience. Uh, one uh, Another example besides that of California where people wash up on the West Coast uh, having left their homes uh, elsewhere. I know what you mean by that phenomenon. Another is the people who live as expatriates in other countries. They often form a kind of a family with their uh, fellows who are also expatriates in a what is to all of them a foreign culture. And I remember being part of that kind of uh, community many years ago when I lived in Turkey, and it was very nice. Um, We had a a great deal of closeness. We observed the holidays together. We looked after each other, nursed each other through illness and so on. But it's not really the same as uh, the, the real nuclear family. Why is family life such a test spiritually? Oh, I suppose because it forces us to learn group relationship. It's the child's first experience uh, with a group. There are probably other siblings. There are parents, uh, maybe cousins and aunts and uncles. So it it, uh, makes the little human being aware early on that he isn't the center of the universe. And uh, it makes me think of a a friend I had who's um, French-Canadian. She was one of 13 children. 
and she described growing up in a home where she had 12 brothers and sisters. She said, being one of 13 children means it's never your turn. So you learn sacrifice, you learn unselfishness, you learn to get along in a group. That's a test spiritually. I think there's uh, also the test um, going on today, uh, particularly here in the Western culture. Um, There are so many distractions that uh, families have to put up with. I mean, uh, there are all the activities that the children are involved in every day. I mean, there's sports, and then there's activities after school. There's the, the ballet, and then and the musical programs and the band and uh, all of these activities that children uh, sign up for and uh, it becomes just a, a huge race every day to keep up with with all of this and there there isn't time just to be a family together and uh, many parents I think are they get caught up in this uh, this, this kind of frenzy now they're realizing that they're kind of stepping back and realizing that this is crazy. You know, that they're not being a family; they're just moving children around. <laughs> and, well, and, uh, yeah. That's uh, so. The the whole idea of family life is kind of breaks down. It's it's done because um, parents want the best for their children, and they think that having them taking all these classes and being involved in activities is going to prepare them for life, and in many respects it does. It's just that in some cases it seems to get out of hand, and the child has no free time to lie on his stomach watching bugs or whatever it is that mm-hmm. children need to do part of the time to develop their imagination and their sense of uh, place in the world. Um, we're we're becoming a very uh, uh, active, hyper-frenetic society, and the family is demonstrating the stresses and strains of that. But at the same time, the family life is, um, as the writings of Alice Bailey call it, the crucible of spiritual development. Something has worked out in the early years of a human being that uh, sets him for life. In fact, psychologists say that a child is formed psychologically, I think they say by the age of three. When you think about it, uh, what happens in the home in the early years is really critically important, uh, and it's full of spiritual ramifications. We learn responsibility. We learn uh, sacrifice. We learn unselfishness. We learn to forgive in the family, or hopefully if we come from a fairly stable family, those are gifts that we learn, that we take with us. Jesus Christ had a very interesting viewpoint of the family. He looked upon everybody as family, and he spoke about all men as being his brother and and sister, and I think that was a very advanced concept, really, and I think there's a lot of evidence today, scientifically, that we are all connected, and so perhaps he was right on target. And we would like to say, too, that um, what we're talking about is the work of Alice Bailey, and most of the conversations that we have emanate from the books of Alice Bailey and a lot of the work that she did. We have 24 volumes of books, and uh, if you want to be challenged, if you want to want to face questions such as who are we and what is life all about and what is the meaning to life and how to cope with adversity and... Uh, how do we grow spiritually in this world? I think you'd be highly interested in the books of Alice Bailey. 
And you're certainly welcome to order our books, our cassette tapes. Um, that's the cassette tapes of the radio shows, including this uh, show for a nominal nominal fee. Or you can, um, if you'd like, you can order a free booklet containing the great invocation, a schedule of our meditation meetings, by the way, which a lot of people seem to be interested in. Or if you'd like uh, more information, we have a general package of information that you can certainly call for and ask. Give us a call for, to order any of the books if you'd like to purchase them. You certainly may. You can order directly from us at the following number, 1-866-695-8247. Once again, that's 1-866-695-8247. And if you're driving in your car and you don't have access to a pencil right away, you might think of this mnemonic device, one 866 NY Lucis. Just think of New York Lucis, L U C I S, 1 866 NY Lucis. Our website is www.lucistrust.org. Our email is New York at Lucistrust.org. And please um, call us because we have uh, something, a gift for you today if you'd uh, like to order it and uh, our gift today is a commentary on the problems of youth. I think you'll find it very interesting because uh, there's a lot of changes that have gone on and probably the most difficult, the, the group that finds it most difficult to cope with some of these changes in family and other phenomenon that are occurring in this age is the children and the youth. So if you'd like our commentary, our gift, the commentary on the problems of youth, give us a call. Or we have another one, commentary on sex in the balance. Both of them related to family problems of family, and I think you'll find them very uh, very interesting. Uh, another thought that I like, since we're on the topic of Alice Bailey and her books, uh, this is a thought from Alice Bailey. It's from her book, Esoteric Psychology, Volume 1. There is no better training school for spiritual development than family life with its enforced relations its scope for adjustments and adaptability, its sacrifices and service, and its opportunities for the full expression of every part of one's nature. Do you think one's sense of family changes as one begins to develop spiritually? Uh, yes, I think it does. Uh, that comment from Alice Bailey that you made uh, has a lot of um, impact on people who are endeavoring to develop spiritually because I think there's a common misconception that if you want to be spiritual, you have to live a celibate monastic life without family, without children, without husband or wife, uh, in the sense that... Um, those who uh, take vows and join uh, orders where they uh, become monks or nuns do. And that certainly is one um, beautiful path of spiritual development. But what Alice Bailey was trying to say is that you can also develop spiritually within the family and that it provides that crucible, as I mentioned, that really, uh, in a sense, generates the perfect conditions for the soul because the soul seems to love friction in the sense that it it needs the the um, the testing and the crisis that the outer 
worldly experience can provide so that it can develop and hone its sense of values and purpose. And the family provides just those conditions quite on quite often. You're you're living with people that may or may not understand you, they may or may not love you, but they belong to you and you to them in the sense that you are um, related by blood. And this this enduring tie kind of forces you to make things right, doesn't it? Uh, I read something recently about sibling relationships being the the most enduring relationship that any of us has in in the sense of longevity. Your brothers and sisters are those who go with you through life uh, from the beginning to the end approximately because you're of the same age. You have to put it right with them. You have to develop a right relationship with your siblings um, or you should keep trying. So there's this kind of enforced sense of obligation and responsibility that I think has a lot of value. On the other hand, the writings of Alice Bailey also point out that many disciples um, stumble in their development because they can't learn to release those that they love, their children especially, they remain so attached to them and so involved in their welfare that they can't let them be free. That's the essence to me of what the uh, opening quotation from the prophet said. Your children are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They don't belong to you. You gave them a physical vehicle, but they don't belong to you or you to them after they are uh, mature enough to live on their own. Each soul is free. Yes, I would agree with that. And I think also there's a, um, I wanted to mention there is the sacredness of the family that perhaps not everyone takes into account too often because it is a little obscure perhaps, but you know, in the traditional family unit, there is the father and the mother and the child, or maybe more than one child. And this is a, if you think about it, it's a symbolic reflection of the divine trinity. There is the, the father and the mother and the son, or the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit is the divine trinity, at least in the Christian faith. And this is what you have exactly in the in the family unit and this is why um, in this respect the family unit should be as respected as the trinity is and uh, so it's it's just as sacred at least in my estimation and uh, <clears throat> it's it is symbolic of the basic unit of creation really because we have father spirit and mother matter and then the soul as the product of the two. So even in, from the largest, from the macrocosmic down to the microcosmic, you have this same trinity, this same relationship. And uh, it comes down to the word relationship that's very important. So, hmm. I, uh, I mentioned before about how Christ's concept of family was that every, man's, uh, every man was his brother and every woman his sister. Uh, of course, he was so advanced spiritually. Do does our concept of family change as we develop spiritually? Yes, um, there is even a uh, recognition of that in Hinduism in the different stages that the 
um, human being progresses through according to Hindu belief. And there's a time and a season for each stage in life, that of the child, the youth, then the mature person, the householder, and then later in years, the stage that they call the sannyasin, the uh, stage when family responsibilities have been met and fulfilled, and it's a time then for, usually I think this is applied to men, I don't think to women, they stay in the home and continue to serve, but the men are allowed to release a lot of those family responsibilities and enter into a a time in their lives when they develop and focus on their spiritual development. So it, it's a recognition that there are phases to life that um, each has its own responsibilities. Uh, that um, awareness I don't think is present in the West uh, quite so much, but um, I find it intriguing that there there is a... Um, a realization that this, the, these responsibilities don't go on forever and ever. Maybe you could say that that's uh, uh, an area where a lot of uh, people misunderstand the obligations, in my opinion, which is only my opinion, might be extended longer than they need to be and, and become constricting. Of course, if you have little children, you're responsible for raising them and devoting all your resources to them. Of course you would be. But then as they grow up, they have to be free and you have to be free. And I wonder sometimes um, what the meaning is of so many adult children returning home to live with their parents. That's an interesting phenomenon we see today. Uh, I think also there is the, um, talking about spiritual potential, um, there is this thing called um, the spiritual family that sometimes we uh, encounter. Uh, it may not, which the spiritual family may not be the same as one's earthly family. Uh, and by that I mean um, <clears throat> you are born with a certain parents. They give you the physical vehicle, the physical body, and uh, the the uh, siblings if you have any. And these are the the people that you grow up with, but as you move out into life, into, into your profession and whatever it is, then you begin to uh, encounter other people of like, uh, like thinking, that have the same type of thinking as you, and you develop relationships with uh, people of, of, a, of a different spiritual makeup and you're attracted and drawn to these people and they're drawn to you and uh, you're, uh, you realize that there is a, a difference there that you have this other group of spiritual uh, people of like mind uh, kindred spirits that you like to associate with and, and uh, be with and uh, but then you also have your bi- uh, biological earthly family at home and uh, so Quite often, I think there is that that um, parting of the ways sometimes that one develops an uh, uh, understanding that of, of a spiritual family that they have as well. Yeah, I suppose you could say you have obligations to both, don't you think? To your, your biological family and to those you consider your spiritual family. Well, yes, absolutely. You shouldn't uh, just uh, give up your relationship with your biological family because they're the ones that brought you into the world and you 
continue to love them and uh, as you always have. But and I suppose ideally your your biological family would be your spiritual family in the sense that your spiritual family uh, is composed of those who help you to grow and develop as a soul, who foster and stimulate whatever is most precious and most um, um, evolutionary within you. If that's the understanding of your spiritual family, then it would be wonderful uh, to find that that kind of stimulation within your biological family, and perhaps many people do. Yeah. Speaking of spiritual, <laughs> speaking of spiritual family too, I'm wondering about what happens to that bond that we have with people who we love so much, who are part of our family that die, they pass on, and mm-hmm. what happens to that family? That I can I can only say this is that uh, I'm, my mother I love so dearly, and um, even though she's been gone several years, I don't think the day goes by but when I don't think of something that she said or some viewpoint that she had at life when I'm looking at life, sometimes her viewpoint runs through my mind. Mm-hmm. And to this day, even though she's gone and she's not in this reality any longer, um, she lives on in my heart. And mm-hmm. I, I still think that bond is so strong that we have with people who lo- we love. and Especially the mother, know. I think. She mm-hmm. was your mother. My mother died 16 years ago and I still think of her every day. And we weren't even that close, to be honest. Mm. But she was my mother. Yeah, I think it's a very deep bond. And in fact, the Ageless Wisdom speaks of the the concept of reincarnation in terms of a group of souls who come back together life after life. Not just individuals, but you have a, a group relationship which is repeated over and over again. And your family is part of that. Yeah, there are about four or five people who live in my heart. And I speak mm-hmm. to them every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And um, what are, what are some of the spiritual implications uh, of adoption? Because of course, those mm-hmm. people uh, who've been adopted, they have a lot of issues about adoption and their biological parents, and right. there are so many um, issues related to people who were adopted, uh, group homes, orphanages. Uh, what are, what are some of the spiritual implications of all of that? Well, that comes back to your earlier statement uh, about uh, the family not necessarily being confined to the biological family, that it might be those with whom you are most uh, compatible or with whom your lot is cast. Think of a child who's adopted. The father and mother are the people who raised the child, Mm -hmm. aren't they? There was the birth mother, there was the, the birth father, but those people who raise the person, uh, I would think, are the true family because they provide the environment in which the child grows up. So this is a concept that I know is very controversial and people have very deep feelings. And I suppose if you're not adopted, you don't have the the full impact of what it implies. But uh, there's a lot to be said for the people mm-hmm. that choose the child and raise and give that child a home. There's another example in orphanages and group homes. Uh, that movie, um, which escapes me now, last year with Michael Caine, uh, based on the novel by John Irving, was an example of people who were doing their very best to provide homes for children who were uh, orphans. Do you remember the movie I mean? I can't recall the name of it. <laughs> None of us can. But <laughs> I think what you're, important, what you're saying is the most important um, uh, discussion that we have in relation to the, those people because it is a deep issue about who is my father and mm-hmm. who is my mother. And I, I think you're right. Your family very often, it is a matter of behavior. Who's paying the rent? Uh, mm-hmm. Who's 
Uh, maybe your parents get up every day and they may not be biological parents, but they're putting their feet on the ground when they don't want to get up in the morning and they're going to work in an effort to provide food and shelter. And so family is really those people who are there for you, as and you were saying before. You know, you. Who's yeah. doing the job? Mm-hmm. And it's a family, family is a quality of mind and behavior. So I think that um, we also should remind people that uh, you're certainly welcome to give us a call and order our free literature that we're giving you today. It's, uh, one is called um, Commentary on the Problems of Youth. The other is called Commentary on Sex and the Balance. And certainly give us a call, or if you'd like to order on our, or any of our books, you, books you certainly may. It, uh, call us at 1-866-695-8247 or 1-866-NY-LUCIS. In closing, we invite you to ponder on this thought. Goodwill is the touchstone that will transform the world. Goodwill is love in action. It's the energy that draws us together in right relationship. And there's a world prayer called the Great Invocation. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Sleepy. Guess you want McDonald's for breakfast? Uh, how'd you know? You were sleep humming the McDonald's jingle. I don't know what you're talking about. You just did it. No, I didn't. So, McDonald's? I could use a McCafe latte. There's a McDonald's for every morning. Start your morning at McDonald's with a delicious sausage biscuit and savory hash browns for only $1.50. At participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. How do you not hear that? 